Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. We look forward to sharing our guest with you today, Alain Hunkins, author of Cracking the Leadership Code, Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders, is a sought-after speaker, consultant, trainer, and coach. Over his 20-year career, he has led over 2,000 groups in 25 countries. Alain's clients include Walmart, Pfizer, Citigroup, General Electric, State Farm Insurance, IBM, General Motors, and Microsoft. He has designed and facilitated seminars on numerous leadership topics, including team building, conflict management, communication, peak performance, innovation, engagement, and change. Alain serves on the faculty of Duke Corporate Education and has published over 400 articles on leadership. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. This is Dan Moore. It's a very special time in our world's history. As this is being recorded, my hometown of Nashville is in a safer-at-home situation, as many places around the world are. I've been in self-quarantine since returning from Europe a couple of weeks ago, and thank God my wife and I are fine, our family's fine. We're dealing with a very unusual set of circumstances. We all know that. And we're very grateful today to have Alain Honkins with us today. He's had an amazing life thus far of helping people. And today we're going to get some insights and inspiration from him that, that will mean a lot to all of us. So, Alain, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Thank you so much, Dan. It's really an honor to be here with you today. Well, we appreciate the fact that you are here. You know, each one of us goes through experiences in life that sometimes seem inconsequential. And later on, they really play out in terms of their significance and, and their meaning. I'm just curious if you could kind of trace through some of the elements of your own bio, your own backstory, the different pivots and turns, and and maybe then reflect them into the moment and, and the things that help prepare you for the encouragement that you are providing for people in these times. Sure thing, Dan. So I've always been curious why do people react to the situations they react to in the way that they do? Why do some people thrive in adversity? Why do other people flounder? And it wasn't until I was an adult that I started to realize what was the story that led me to asking those questions at such a young age. Turns out I, I had a very unusual childhood. Um, I didn't know it at the time. I thought it was just normal. But uh, basically, I was raised by a, a single mom and my grandmother, my mom's mom. Now, that's not unusual. Lots of people have had that experience. Both my mother and my grandmother are Holocaust survivors. My mother was separated from her mother at the age of seven. And for three years, she, through the Belgian underground, was separated and lived with a false name, with a false identity, had her hair from place to place. But that experience in some ways traumatized both of them. And they became my primary parents. And so what I noticed growing up is I had a very different experience or we can call culture at home than I did at school or with friends. And I just, I didn't quite understand how that worked. And I guess I've spent a lot of time trying to make sense of that experience. So that caused me to want to study psychology. And I actually went to Amherst College where I started studying theater and actually went on to 
get a graduate degree at an acting conservatory because I guess I wanted to, in some ways, put my, the microscope as a person and learning what does it mean to perform. And it's interesting because now I focus in leadership for the last 25 years. And I think all of us, we play roles every day, whether that role is a leader with a job title that's like a senior vice president or whatever, but we also play roles at home, whether that's husband, wife, father, mother, brother, friend, student, teacher. We all play these roles. And my mission has been around learning what are the insights around people so that we can play those roles to the best of our ability, that I'm trying to help people to create a more inspired and vibrant world by kindling the fire of brilliance that I think is inside all of us. What a twisty path to, to, to go from a psychology and theater and then into the mode that you're in. But at the end of the day, it is about people. It's about their hearts, their motivations, how they operate. And those do, do come together in this way. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I do a lot of work in the, in the business world, also in the nonprofit world as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what industry or organization you are a part of. We're all in the people business. And I think that this pandemic that we're living through right now just brings that to life in such an extraordinary way, just the importance of humanity. And also, how can we problem solve and get through this together? Well, and speaking of innovation, I believe you and I are separated by at least seven time zones and ocean in between us right now. And yet it feels like we are right next door to one another. Yeah, thank you. Um, Alan, what are, what are some insights um, and times in your own career when you've hit an unexpected brick wall? You know, it's, it's just inevitable when anyone strives and achieves that they're going to hit these things they can't see around, under, or through really floors them. Um, can you share without going into detail, if you don't want to, and that might've happened for you and, and what you've learned regarding coping mechanisms? Sure, for sure. So one of the things in terms of coping and is realizing that, you know, I was a, I was a good student when I was a kid, you know, I wanted to please my parents, wanted to do a good job. And I got really good at giving people the answers of what they wanted to hear. And what that got me pretty far. But what I was missing in all that was recognizing that once you get out of that linear, sequential, educational path of testing and grades, is that most of the world functions on the backs of human relationships. And so one thing that I've been really struck with these last couple of weeks through this pandemic is what I consider the first key of three in the book that I've written is called Cracking the Leadership Code. And the subtitle is The Three Secrets of Building Strong Leaders. And those secrets, which in some ways aren't that secret, but they're the foundations, the pillars of leadership to me are connection, communication, and collaboration. And the thing that really strikes me, particularly now going through this COVID-19 pandemic, is the importance of connection, is the need for us to connect. And in fact, one thing I've been doing for, I've just been opening it up to communities of whether clients, colleagues, family members, friends, is I've been hosting open Zoom calls. So whether that's reaching out to an old friend or a family member who's somewhere else, and whether it's through text or you know WhatsApp, or it doesn't really matter the technology, but just checking in with some basic questions, which is first, how are you feeling right now? And then what's distracting you or what's on your mind? And the third one is, how can I support you? And it's amazing. I've been running these calls for about two weeks now with a similar, very simple structure. And there's so much power in us being able to share our honest experiences. 
and how by just hearing someone else going through, it normalizes our own experience. Because I think all of us in the middle of all this chaos are asking two questions. What does this mean? What should I do? This yearning to kind of resolve this. And right now, so many of us are stuck inside for days, weeks, we don't know, months perhaps, maybe even longer. And in the meantime, we need to learn to be as supportive and resilient with each other and ourselves as possible. So reaching out and going potentially beyond your usual, hey, how's it going? I'm fine. How are you? You know, going what I call to like a level two or level three depth of honesty. There's a real opportunity for us to be more connected and more honest. Use the lessons that this crisis is offering so that we can have a, a deeper richness in our relationships. As you were speaking, I began to think we could turn those exact same questions inward. We could ask ourselves, hey, how am I doing? Hey, what's on my mind? But I applaud you for this open connection. I love that. Yeah, it's so it's so, so important right now. So, Alain, one thing that I was curious about when you're dealing with people that are sharing their thoughts and this connectedness with you, um, what's the importance of, of just listening without prescribing? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Cause it's so easy to want to solve people's pain. Yeah, it's so important. So in, I talk about, you know, at the core of connection before we do anything else is empathy. And my simplest definition of empathy is showing people that you understand them and care how they feel. Now, I know that sounds really basic and simple, but in the research I've done, turns out a lot of us, particularly in organizations, but all over have a hard time with that. And I think that there's a few traps that get in the way because one is the fact that to really listen to someone fully and, and care how they feel and understand their perspective, we have to be patient. And a lot of us are so, and it's part of it has to do with our educational system, right? We're taught to look for answers and, and problem solve and think that there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And if we get stuck in that binary, black and white, right and wrong, good and bad thinking, we're not really listening to people fully. And the fact is, oftentimes people can actually solve their own problems, but giving them a chance and a space to be heard and felt, that's the basis of resilience. Because without that, then we're sort of in this fear mode and I, we could go through the neuroscience of it all too. But the fact is when we're not feeling safe and listened to, we have a real hard time accessing our own psychological and cognitive resources to help us create our solutions. So I think what you're, what you're saying, Dan, about the importance of giving people some time and space. I like to say that when you listen, you should be listening with purpose and the purpose oftentimes in this, in cases like now, is how can I make you feel supported and understood? And you know what? Things are going to need to move a little bit slower right now. I know a lot of people feel like, okay, I'm, I'm at work, but now I'm working from home. I need to kind of keep things going, right? And they want to just keep, keep things going business as usual. This is not a business as usual time. And in fact, I think many of us, if we can start instead of thinking about, you know, what can I do to keep things going or, you know, keep the cash flow going or whatever that might be, just think, what can I do? to serve? What can I do to help? What can I do to listen more fully and completely right now? And that might feel different because it's not something that most of us have habits with. So we have, the, we have this wonderful paradox where we have technology, which moves at the speed of light, but human beings and our relationships move at the speed of human matter. And that's much slower. And I think part of leadership is the discernment of when to go fast and when to go slow. And it seems like Right now, 
going a little slower may be pretty useful. Interesting. So maybe what we should be thinking about is this is an opportunity for business as unusual and business that can ultimately become better in a more connected world that we would all want to live in. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's been fascinating. I've been on these calls in the last couple of weeks, and I think there's this opportunity of the slowness and taking the reflection time to stop and think, how is what I'm doing going to be different, not just now, but in the future? And I'm amazed at how many people have already started slaughtering sacred cows. There's so many things that people believe like, well, we just, we can't change that. I'll give you an example. My next door neighbor works, uh, he's an executive for a shipping company. And for generations, they've always needed physical paper bills of goods before they would release these ships. Well, the amazing thing is, guess what? Within a day, that all went electronic and online because it had to. So all of our organizations and all of our industries have stupid rules that have been stupid for generations, maybe. And this is a chance for us to step back and go, how is that working for us? And maybe it's time to kill or slaughter some of those sacred cows. And people are starting to do it. You know what they say, you know, it's the old proverb, necessity is the mother of invention. Well, we've got a heck of a lot of invention going on right now because of all the necessity that's, that's in, our, in our midst. We do. And it's also an opportunity, I think, for today's younger people to to really shine, really emerge. We we converted one of our company live events to a webinar with about 24 hours notice to pull it off. And I was dazzled by the end of it, by all the presentations. And a couple of the young people in their 20s said, well, it's not that big a deal to us. We're kind of into this. Grow up, boomer. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was fun to see. Now, yeah. um, your book is on really cracking the leadership code. And I think that it's a brilliant title. I would imagine that some people think that leadership is one of the classes that Dumbledore teaches at Hogwarts and that uh, <laughs> some people just have it and, and, and other people don't. There's this phrase called the natural born leader. Um, tell us a bit more what, what you think leaders can and should do during times like this. For sure. And I want to preface the answer to this by saying when you say what leaders should do is from my perspective, leader has being a leader has nothing to do with your title, your job, you know, any of that stuff. It has to do. It's a state of mind. It's a state of being. And the fact is, all of us have an opportunity to lead every single day. If you're ever in a position where you're needing to work with somebody else to create some kind of shared outcome that takes leadership. And so when it comes to leading some things that we can start with are recognizing that first of all no there's no such thing as a there's no such thing as a natural born leader yes all leaders are born because i don't think they've been hatched but the fact is leadership is a skill it's a series of skills that we can learn to practice and so what i write about is let's break these down to let's call them the large fundamentals connection communication and collaboration and within each of those there are for example connection skills that you can work on to develop to becoming a better connector which will in turn make you a better leader. So I shared a couple of them around empathy already. I'll give you another quick example. So something you can do if you want to be a better connector is to build your credibility. Credibility is the way other people trust you based on your track record. So here's a really simple thing. I'm going to say it. You're going to think, oh my gosh, this is so simple, but it's so true. Probably the most important thing you can do if you want to grow your leadership credibility, show up on time. I mean, think about that, right? 
Fact is, nothing is more visible or invisible than our physical presence. So if you say you're going to be here at eight o'clock and you're there, you send a very clear message. And if eight o'clock rolls around and you're not, you're sending a very clear message with your absence. So it's little things like that that end up becoming the big things. And this is where we start to cultivate habits. And the more that we can strengthen these habits of connection, of communication, of collaboration, the more impactful we're going to be. And that's what leadership is about. It's about increase, increasing our influence and impact on those around us and the world around us. I love that. And the word credibility actually means believable. Credo, belief, somebody that's credible, it's because we believe them and we want very much to believe in our leaders. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, actually, yeah, very much so. And, and as you talk about the word credo and belief, it's also the same root as credit. And if you think about it, you know, as leaders, if you're personally in a leadership role at a job, you know, the fact is we don't own the talents of anyone else. In fact, every single day, people loan them to us. And so every day they are deciding if we are credit worthy, if we're worth loaning their talents to. And so I, I think this idea of ultimately, it doesn't matter if people are getting paid or not. Everyone is a volunteer when it comes to their engagement, their effort, and their enthusiasm. And so recognizing that we have to all be working with volunteers. Well, that, that's so important. Um, it's like the old joke about somebody was once asked, well, how many people work here? And they said, about half. <laughs> <laughs> because without that engagement, um, and engagement is a gift, and we have to be credit worthy. I love that description, Alain. That's fantastic. Thanks, Dan. Um, what, what are you doing on a, on a personal basis to keep your edge? You know, you're, you're a people person, you travel internationally, you speak to large conferences. I've seen pictures of you wearing a magnificent headset and addressing large crowds of people. What, what do you do to personally keep your edge in times like this when you just are prevented from being in your comfort zone? Sure. Uh, a few things I do. I, I look at this on multiple domain dimensions. So I look at it through like the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual dimensions. So for me, physical, um, frankly, getting enough sleep. Um, I think we could all benefit from an extra half an hour, hour, two hours of sleep right now because we're all going through trauma. And so getting enough sleep, eating healthy, you know, all the basic healthy things that we know, moving, getting outside, exercise, whatever you can do to keep, you know, so that's that on the physical level, I find that's always been important. Feels like it's even more important now. Emotionally, reaching out to connect to people for sure. That's been really important. Um, and just checking in and having these kind of honest conversations that I mentioned earlier, so important, just being seen and seeing others so that we can support because otherwise we're carrying all this stuff on our own. On the mental level, something I've really had to focus on, and this is a challenge for me, is to limit my intake of information, particularly news. I know the first few days I was so glued to whether it's online news or social media, looking for what's the next big breaking thing. And the more people I talk to, everyone's saying, I need to limit this. Yeah, I want to stay informed, but I need to balance my need to stay informed with my need to stay sane, which I think is a great way to put it. And so I think for us on the mental level, be conscious about where you're choosing to focus. And are there things that you're focusing on that ultimately are leading you down a negative rut? You know, what are things that uplift you? What were the things that uplifted you before this coronavirus epidemic? You know, go to those places, whatever those might be. And then for me, then the spiritual, and when I say spiritual, I'm not necessarily speaking on a religious level. I know it is for some people, but for me, spiritual is about the connection to a purpose greater than yourself. 
And so I'm really clear. My life's purpose is around helping to kindle the fire of brilliance in people. And as soon as this started to break, it was, what do I need to do? I need to help people connect because that's what I know how to do. I've been leading groups for 20 years, you know, but the fact is you don't need to be leading groups for 20 years to do this. If whatever it is for you, what's your purpose and how can you find a way to be of service in that purpose right now? Instead of thinking of, you know, what do I need to do to get through this? It's more of how can I help? And again, all the science and psychology on happiness says we are most happy when we're actually helping others to be happy. And right now there's a lot of people who are scared, sad, lonely, uncertain, and whatever we can each do in our own communities to be a bomb for those people is incredibly useful. So I think there's multiple things we can do on the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels. So what I hear you saying, Alan, is that whenever we start to feel sorry for ourselves, we need to back the lens up a little bit and realize, first of all, we're not alone. Second, our situation is not as bad as so many other people. And third, the best way I can pull out of this is to help somebody else pull out of this. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you talk about backing up the lens, because let's face it, on, on the first response, we're going to absorb and internalize this personally. I mean, my first thing was, oh, gosh, all of my work has been canceled because most of like 99% of my work is in person and face face to face. And so I took it personally. And then, yeah, I can throw myself a pity party. But where is that going to get? Like you said, so reframing and starting to step back. You know what? Everyone's vacation plans have been canceled. Everyone's high school graduate like, realizing that we're all going through this collective disappointment. And so if I can step back and reframe what's going on and realizing so many people are dealing with this at a much more difficult level than I am. And so how can I think about helping others instead of being focused on my own gloom, doom, and misery? Great point there, Dan. Mm -hmm. Well, in terms of, um, of your own thoughts, if somebody was, was listening to this and, and just not sure where to turn next, would you have a, a one, two, three sort of sequential set of recommendations that, that everybody can act on the minute they finish listening to this? Sure. And when you say act on this in terms of just kind of helping us through this crisis right now? Help, helping us through it, helping themselves, first of all, because unless we find our own equilibrium, we don't have a right to stick our hand out to somebody else that's falling. Yeah. So the first thing is, yeah. So when you're, I, I love what you said before about, you know, checking with other people about how you're feeling, but do an honest self-assessment right now. I'd say, you know, you can't change what you don't notice. And so awareness is key. So first is check in. How are you doing, first of all, on a safety level? How are you doing fiscally? So do you have enough money to get through this week, you know, or food on the table? You know, how are you going to manage that? Um, there are resources out there. It's just part of it has to do with us asking for help. So first of all, so fiscally, how are you doing physically? So are you feeling symptoms of things? Do you need help? You know, I have a, a college roommate who is an emergency room doctor, and he says he basically said, unless you're having problems, really difficult problems breathing, you need to ride this out on your own because they need the resources for others. So recognizing that also getting informed, making sure you get your data from credible sources and staying informed and not going into a place of panic, you know, because we don't make good decisions when we're panicked. No one does. So I'd say starting from that place of awareness. Where are you? And then if you need help, reach out and get clear on asking for what you need. For some of us, it might just be, you know what? I need a shoulder to cry on right now. I need an ear to listen to. And so set those things up. We all have access to some kind of hopefully technology that you can talk to at least somebody else. 
in there. And I know there's lots of resources out there on the internet in terms of organizations that are looking to help people in that way. So I'd say start by, you know, using, you, I'll use the analogy from, from the airline industry, which, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first and make sure that you are grounded enough first before you start to move to help other people. But starting with things as basic as that can make a big difference. I think this is very sound, very, very helpful advice. And what I also feel from you, Alain, is not in the words that you say, but the conviction that comes straight from your heart about how you practice these and how you mean them. And it's a reminder to me that communication is just a tiny fraction based on the words we use. And it is so much more the intent and the heart and everything else that's behind them. And I hear that and feel that from you. Thanks. To, yeah, you're right. It is. You know, ultimately, look, so much of what makes our human experience, it's not cognitive. It's actually emotional. You know, if you've studied the work, uh, there's a there's a, an author, he's a Nobel Prize winner named Daniel Kahneman, and he writes about thinking fast and slow and talks about type one and type two thinking. And the fact is, there's a type of thinking, which is not our rational intellectual minds. It's our instinctual, emotional beings that really make decisions. And I think why it's so useful to go down the path of self-improvement, of self-discovery, is taking a look at what makes you tick, because that's what drives you. And if you're not getting clear on what drives you, you can spend a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to climb up a ladder and then find out it was up against the wrong wall the whole time. So I think it's so useful. I mean, and this kind of, we'll call it the enforced pause of coronavirus is an opportunity to stop and step back. And I've had, and I've had conversations with people who've said, you know, I never realized that spending time at home with my family, making dinner, playing games, how important this was for us to connect in this way. And it's bringing me such joy. And frankly, when this whole crisis pass, passes, I don't know if I want to go back to the way things were because they realized they were just going and going and just doing the cultural norms of bigger, more, faster. So this is an opportunity for each of us to take some stock of what's truly important. You know, people ask me, what's, what's important about becoming a better leader? Getting clear on your own values is so critical because they become the resource pool for you to draw on to make decisions. And to sustain this, not just today and tomorrow, but into the months and years ahead. And on that note, I am personally highly encouraged. So thank you so much, Alan, for joining us. I want to encourage all of our listeners to, to plug into Alan. Uh, where, can they, where can they get your book? And do you have uh, some podcasts or ways they can keep in touch with you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So you can find me. Probably the best way is to go to the book has its own website, which is easier to spell than my name. It's www.crackingtheleadershipcode.com. And while you're there, you can actually download the first chapter of the book and, and get a little taste, a little more taste of what the book is all about. That also links to my website, which is alainhunkins.com. I'll spell it out for you. A-L-A-I-N-H-U-N-K-I-N-S.com. And the most active social media platform I'm on is LinkedIn. So you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I do post articles and content there and yeah, podcast interviews, et cetera. So thanks. Thanks, Dan. Well, thank you. The, the whole theme of the Action Catalyst is insights and inspiration to help us ignite our own. I feel personally ignited. So Alan, thank you so much and for your heart and your sharing. We value thanks. what you say and we value your time very much today. Dan, it's really been an honor and a pleasure to be with you. And thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. 
To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.